Join us and unwind with a good book. Welcome to Relaxing Reads. Hi, it's Deb in Halifax. Hi, it's Simone in Vancouver. Hey, it's Tanya in Edmonton. Our latest read, the debut novel for Amita Parikh, The Circus Train Takes Us Through the World of Wonders, Europe's Most Magnificent Traveling Circus, where every moment is full of magic and nothing is as it seems, especially for those who put on the show. Lena Papadopoulos has never quite found her place within the circus, even as the daughter of the extraordinary headlining illusionist Theo Brilliant and curious, Lena yearns for the real-world magic of science and medicine, despite her father's overprotectiveness and the limitations of her wheelchair. Lena's unconventional life in war-torn Europe takes an exciting turn when she rescues Alexandre, an orphan with his own secrets and a mysterious past. Okay, so many characters, lots happening over several years. So ladies, what, what do you think? How are you feeling? <laughs> I, oh, you know, you pick up a book sometimes and it really resonates with you. And, and that is exactly what happened to me. I got into this book. I felt like I was inside it. And, you know, it really captured you from the very beginning when, when Leah's mom says, you know, please, I have kept your secret. You have to promise to keep mine. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> what is the secret? What is the secret? You know, so from there, from there, it just it just grabbed me. And I loved all of the characters. And I thought, you know, I can't wait to talk to the author because the way she wrote these characters just I felt like, like I said, like I was in the story and it just kind of magically <laughs> went on from there. What about you guys? I know we, I say this every podcast, or rather Deb and I both do, that I started the book <laughs> like three days before it was due. And it's always one of those things where I started late. But as soon as I saw you, you sent me that note, Tanya, that this book resonated with you. I was like, okay, this is exciting. Because when I hear one of you say that you're loving one of our current reads or you're excited about it, it just gets me that much more amped up to, to get into it because it's a good way to start. And when I kind of first thought about this book, like I like romance. I liked the idea of the circus and the magic, but I'm not much of a, you know, history buff. So when I thought about the World War II, I was like, I don't, what is this going to be about? Like, am I going to like that? But Amita did such a great job bringing in romance, thriller aspect of it, and the historical, where it was like enough history where it wasn't making you, it made you uncomfortable, but it was done well that you could get into it, even if you're not, you know, a history buff. Yeah, from beginning to end, once I picked this up, I kept going, and it was it was just not what I was expecting, but it was so good. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I I am a bit of a stargazer, so I felt like sometimes when I look up at the sky, I just I, I get totally lost and I'm I'm completely enthralled and, and taken and my focus is is on nothing but whatever is out there and I got excited like I, you know, like I was as a kid. So that's kind of where I felt we were um with this train. And traveling on it, and then with everything that was going on outside of the train, you know, war-torn Europe, and and yes, Simone, you know, so many horrible things, but everything within allows you to believe in, in so many other things, like the possibility of good things happening in our world, despite, and even, you know, present day, there there's some really big things happening, but there's always good in every day. 
so to to be able to to find the romance, to find so many things within this story, I, I think also gives you hope for today. So I I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm like you, Simone, I really, really need to get into these much sooner. <laughs> yeah, because you, that's just it. And it's exactly what you said. It's like we're just a we're all in a traveling circus. Like, you know, yeah. we find these moments where there's things happening around us. But, you know, life gets heavy and the world gets heavy. But, you know, this book was the a great escape. Like the way they described the carriages and stuff inside. I was like, I want to be inside one of these, the way the fabrics and the colors and everything that went into it, it was just magical. Yeah, yeah. it was magical. Absolutely. And you know what I loved? I love the idea of a traveling circus where not so much the circus, just like going from city to city and and how Lena's dad would like would take her to all of these things in those cities, you know, the museums, the art galleries, like the things that she saw as this train weaved its way through Europe. I was just, I mean, I love traveling. So I was yeah. like, oh, oh, I'd love to be on that train. I'd love to go to all these cities and, and just be in a different place every single night or every two nights. And and for me, that was sort of the magic of this of this train, but of course, set upon a time that is not magical. And, you know, so there's a stark contrast of pre-World War II and getting into World War II and, and everything that happened there. I mean, it's sort of like it's like this magic and all this stuff. And then and then the horrors of this. Mm. I, I, I felt like it was kind of overcast with the horrors of war. I mean, it was always there. They just kind of did their thing like a lot of people did during the war. They did what they had to do. And it's just... Um, this war, though, in particular, was just uh, in the pit of my stomach. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, but that's just it. The circus was the distraction of yes. of what was going on, and and so much mm-hmm. of life we live now is we look for those distractions because when you start to think about the real things happening, it's hard, and you do you get that pit in your stomach, but you can only mm-hmm. take it for so long before you need to shift your mindset. Yeah, that definitely. Yeah. And young Lena, my goodness, is she's faced with with so much, you know, from the very beginning. You know, she she's born with polio and uh, you know, it is wartime and her family is, you know, here there and everywhere. You know, she loses her mom and now she's living this life with her dad, but how how do you feel? I, I mean, to me, I was like, I don't know if I could have done what she did and and still um, and, and perhaps it was a setting that, you know, her upbringing on this train and doing the traveling that made her worldly and, and more aware of, of so much. Mm-hmm. She I, and we of course, we learn a lot about <laughs> Lena in this book yeah. and her past and and what shapes her. And I. You know, I, I kind of felt like, you know, here she's on this train, the circus train, and she into her unto herself is her own attraction, if you will. She has polio and uh, or she had polio, sorry, and she is in a wheelchair, you know, and there are many times throughout the book where it's uh, the author writes, you know, nobody likes different, right? She tries to fit in, tries to fit in, wants to talk to the other kids in the train, and they just exclude her. They just keep her at arm's length. So then, you know, what do you do when that happens, when people disappoint you, when you can't make those relationships? You go within yourself. And I think that for her, you know, 
she didn't like magic. She wanted like real stuff, which is why she got into the books, right? She got into books. She got she got into creating like her own little world inside that train. And I think, and I think that you know, just being kind of an outcast, that shaped her to who she was going to become in the end, which was a very determined. Um, curious woman, you know, and she just lost herself and just, she learned so much. I mean, when she's talking about some of the stuff she's reading in the book and in her books and all that and the world she's created and how smart she is, I was just like, you go, Lena. I don't care what anybody else says. You know, I just uh, (laughs) loved it. Her obstacles created the person that she needed to be. The, the tenacity, the determination, the curiosity. She needed all of that to propel her forward into a life that she would eventually have at the end of the book. Wow. <laughs> that's so well said. Like, you've captured it all. And that's what it was. Her mm-hmm. journey was so tough. But even when she was kind of an outcast, when you experience something like that and you've been, you know, not included in a group or a part of something, sometimes you kind of just close in on yourself. But I loved how she believed in herself. But Alexandra like he gave her that final push. And sometimes that's all you need is that one person in your life that looks at you and says, hey, you can do this. And it makes you go, I can do this. You know, sometimes you second guess yourself. So that's what I loved about that is she had these hopes and dreams and she was working at it. But she also had this part of her that thought it's never going to happen. But once she started believing in it and um, Clara, Clara, when she mm-hmm. came into her world and started pushing her and nudging her and it's those things. She's this this young teen, this adolescent who's kind of now defying her father and, and doing things she wants to do. Like the night she went and had the champagne and I was like, yes, you. <gasps> You are. You're a teenager and you're doing it. You're going against what your parents say, which most of us did. If your parents were like, sure, go do that. We're going to still do the opposite of what they say. So, you know, I love that she was still willing to um, not give up on herself and keep pushing and pursuing and pushing and pursuing, even at when that time she didn't have her dad and Alexandria. Like she didn't give up because she knew they would have wanted that for her. So that was the part that I really liked is that she was so strong and she just kept going despite all the obstacles she had. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. sometimes sometimes I think in our lives, you know, you just need one person to believe in you, right? That one person gets believes in you and you, you somehow have the strength. And I'm just going to read like a couple quotes because I just, throughout this book, there's a lot of themes, but Clara, her, her governess, was like, try or don't try, the time will pass anyway. Right. And that is so true. It's like whenever you think about doing something new, it's like whether it's going to go back to school as an adult or whatever. And you go, oh, gosh, I don't think. uh." And it's just like, you know what? Um, The time's going to pass anyway. So do you want to go learn that? Or do you not want to try at all? Because tomorrow is Friday, is Saturday, is Sunday, won't get here again. And what do you do with that day? Do you try to better yourself? Or do you you know, not do anything at all. And I just think about the one person that, you know, kind of shapes you, Alexander, he believed in her. And he also said the words, people don't like different. So in him, she found herself, right? She found this one person that got it. And I, and I just love that. Anyway, there's a lot of great quotes, inspirational quotes in this, in this book that I love. For sure. <laughs> and you think about like her dad loved her so much, but And and I I thought it was interesting that here is this man who's an illusionist with imagination, but yet he couldn't imagine his daughter outside of her chair. 
you know, he, he, he's, yeah. he, along with so many others, you know, here's her dad looking at her as, you know, it's the chair. You are my daughter in this chair. And that's just the way it is. You know, he was very protective, overprotective, but I found it interesting that he couldn't see beyond that, even as she started to, to, you know, to grow and change and, and, and show him that she's got courage and she's very determined to, to do what she needed to do. But later we find out kind of some of his hesitations about why, you know, not so much the her being in a chair, but just the overprotective, like why he was so overprotective of her more so than, you know, any father or parent would be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, you know, there's there's a lot of references about, you know, if she were a male, you know, if she were a guy. But, you know, her her um, her challenge, right, with being having polio and, and being, I think the author used disabled and. And um, and it's like what you know how people just don't know what to do with people when they're not like them, right? They don't know how to handle it, and that it that was prevalent then in the world of this book, and it is still today. You know, we still have yeah. these things about when we see someone who's different and 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 how we react to them, how we you know, and all of that. And, it's, and it is interesting, isn't it? Because you would think. Uh, you know, looking at this story or thinking about this story, World War II uh, is happening mm-hmm. all around you. You've got a child who's in a, a wheelchair. But sadly, it, it, if she was born today, while there has been, you know, progress in a lot of areas and there's more inclusivity, there's still a lot lacking in in our community as well. And, you know, support and um, unless you have someone in your family I don't know. It's there. There would be a little difference, I guess, in her path, but perhaps not as much as we would hope there would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So with this book, I touched on some of the themes, but there are themes about you know disability and representation. There's the world of magic and illusion, and of course, it is all set uh, under the horrors of World War II. So. I mean, was there anything about any of these topics that that surprised you about this book? Well, it was just surprising how it was all woven together, but it all made sense mm-hmm. because when you you think of it, you were like, "How is this? How is this all going to align together?" And even the times they were separated, like what they were each going through, their personal struggle. Like I feel like they all kind of str- Lena and Alexandra like struggled from the beginning of time, but they they never lost hope or their will uh, throughout everything they were going through. And that just shows you like the strength they had, and they didn't give up because yeah, like. Everything they had to do, especially Theo and Alexander, like when they had to go to that camp, um, Mm -hmm. it was just, it was hard. And it makes you think like, wow, that was a really, Mm -hmm. really horrible time, a very horrible time. And they pushed through because they had, you know, they had their sights set on their end goals and where they wanted to be. And they never gave up. So I just thought that was, it was really interesting, like the way it was all done together and how it came together in the end. Yeah, it worked really well. And I I like what you say there, uh, Simone. And they looked at it as, yes, we, we may be going through something we'll never experience again, but you have to have purpose. You get up every day, you have to have purpose. So that's what it was for them. And perhaps while they were in the camp, they used the, the magic and the, uh, you know, illusion that they knew or, or being an illusionist and doing what they did to help them throughout the day as well. 
because a little magic and 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 you know taking that mm-hmm. escape can be very helpful for you. Well, that was one of my favorite parts is the whole escape and how they got out of there. <laughs> like what yeah, a plan. Yes, no. That yes, was that was yeah. so thrilling to read that part because they used what their expertise and their strength to get out of that situation and I absolutely loved that. Up until the train station and all the action taking place, oh gosh, I was like yes. I was in my head. I was like what's happening here? We got shots fired. This is getting crazy. And then <laughs> It was like, yeah, that was uh, that was, was fun. It, it was crazy. I found that there were so many parts in this book where I just went, what? And I had to put the book down and then I walked around a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think at one point I'm like, oh, no, 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 run, run. You know, and I thought, oh, that Attila guy, he's going to like get them. And there's so many things where... You know, where uh, Alexander's passport, a German passport, and of course it had the big uh, J stamped in it. And I remember at the beginning of the book where they took his passport and they they gave it to the circus manager, Horace, and then he gave it to his assistant. And I thought at that point, I thought, they're not going to destroy it. Like, that's going to come out again. They're not going to destroy the passport. And sure enough... You know, the stuff that happens with the SS guards and and yeah. I, I hate that there's one part of the book where Alex, you know, where Horace negotiates with the SS guards and basically signs a contract with the SS mm-hmm. to, you know, here, take this kid. Yeah, you can have him for a year. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, people are bought yeah. and sold under the oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And, you know, one of the things I, you know, talking about the themes of this book and, and, and when it took place, one of the hardest things for me to read and, of course, we know about World War II, right? We know what happened. But I did not know that there was this town, what they called a spa town. Mm-hmm. And when you read yeah. the author's notes at the back, it was a town. Now, I did try to find, I tried to get the pronunciation. It is Therese Unstadt okay. is the name of this concentration camp, basically. Uh, not Well, they made them work, but then they, they did have circus performers to entertain all the people that were coming in there until such time that they deemed they were no longer worthy, right? They, they were mm-hmm. sick. They could no longer contribute. And, and one of the things, you know, with this particular thing was when they said the, the, the hunger, the anger, and the hopelessness. Mm-hmm. And that was like, that gutted me. Like, because you read about stuff in historical novels and you read about Jewish survivors of the atrocities of war. And, and I just think, you know, when you take a person and you make them hopeless, when their eyes go vacant, that's how I read that, right? I read about, you know, yeah. when Theo and Alexander are in this camp and, and they see, like, that beautiful young woman who came, Aleki, I want to say her name is, it's uh-huh. probably wrong. You know, and, he, yeah. he des- and, and Alexander described how beautiful her hair was and her skin and her eyes were glowing. And then, you know, a week later, she's like... Coughing Dead up blood, inside. yeah, and I know. So different. it's just like that, really. Like you know, so I just I I applaud the author for being able to capture you know so much of what was going on through these amazing characters that she wrote. You know, so that was yeah. you know when I read about some of the stuff that was real and some of the stuff that was obviously fabricated for the story. But it, you read about the real stuff, you're like, oh my goodness. Yeah, oh. and I read that Amita. That's what she kind of said. She said the most surprisingly but devastatingly sad part of researching this novel was about that town. And she said she had some great mm. feedback from a reader that had family there, and they thanked her for writing about it and shining a light on the. Experience 
experience because this is just it. We learn about so much through these books that we had no idea about. And that's a part of the bigger conversation is reading it and understanding it. And it comes to the whole reconciliation that we're going through now in Canada. Like mm-hmm. this is all we can do is we can't change the past, but we can educate ourselves and learn about these things and just create awareness about them. So you hope that nothing like this ever happens again in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, yeah. the, the extreme um, differences in, um, in humanity in these characters and characters who were, you know, true and, and real people back during that time um, at those camps, the most evil of people. And it's hard to imagine being that person and going ahead and having that much hate within you to do something so horrific to a, you know, a fellow human. But then you also have those who are in the camp and taking care of Mm -hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. And the simplest, Mm -hmm. the littlest thing that would give them joy in their day, you know, the birthday, you know, celebrating a birthday. Yes. Oh, that was one of my favorite parts. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You know, and then, yeah, like they have nothing, but they give, you know, one little item just completely changed their their manner for the day. And they they had a bright spot. They found it, which I don't know if I was there would have been able to find that. Mm -hmm. And you think even, Mm -hmm. you know, the the. The villain in the storyline, of course, is the the war that's going on and the SS officers. And then you have Horace, who is such an interesting character. But, you know, he had a point where it came around and he could do some good later. And I really liked that, that he, you know, mm-hmm. kind of was able to not leave off as such a villain at the end because I truly liked his character and he had an interesting backstory too and the way his mind worked for creating all these ideas he was definitely a great character too he was a magician in his own way right yeah like I just and the way and the world he created the circus train and and he went around the world trying you know finding all of these people exemplary people with special skills and whatnot to create you know, his circus train and I just I loved his character. It was very deep. He had a great backstory. And yeah, he kind of came full circle uh, towards the end. <laughs> yeah, definitely. My final thought uh, for for a great book is after you have turned the final page, if you're going to sit there and miss them, then that's a great book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I honestly I turned the final page and I just sat there and I and I went, I'm. I'm going to miss Lena and I'm going to miss Alexander and Harry and Horace and Clara and Fitz and like all these (laughs) beautiful people. And I just, I want to know what happens to them. I want to know where they go. I want to explore the love story. I want to, you know, I just, anyway, we'll, we'll talk to the author and, and perhaps we'll get some insight as how she created such uh, amazing characters that just really, at least for myself, just really embedded themselves into into me. Amita Perrick, thank you so much for being with us and uh, having this discussion about your debut novel. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. You're very welcome. You have given us many themes or stories within your story. It's magical, mystical, hypnotic, and so much more. So we need to know what was the inspiration for this incredible debut. 
Well, it really started with um, two of the main characters. So Theo, who is the illusionist, and his daughter, Lena, um, who's kind of like the main protagonist. Um, so it really was them. I had always envisioned the story of a father and daughter. Um, I really love magic. I've loved it since I was a kid. And I wanted to create uh, a bit of a story around those two characters. And then everything else kind of came over the next couple months slash years as I wrote as I wrote the novel. <laughs> and Lena, my goodness, she is quite the character born with polio. She grows up on a train. I mean, she's brilliant, courageous, determined. So where did you find her? Did you or do you know Alina in your life? So I wouldn't say I know somebody who is exactly like Lena. Um, I will say that I have a sibling with a disability, and I know that certainly um, growing up and observing what they went through um, in their own life, and also I've done a lot of work uh, with children and adults with physical and mental disabilities throughout my whole life, um, and just kind of observing um, the things that they kind of had to deal with uh, was it certainly influenced parts of Lena's character. Um, the whole, uh, her, her passion for science and medicine came from me because I have always loved science and, uh, you know, I, I love medicine as well. And I think it's fascinating what, what doctors can do and what scientists can do. I think it's its own kind of magic in a way. Um, and so she got that from me, but everything else was, you know, I, I, created a character out of, um, you know, bits and parts, and then put in some fiction as well. So yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but I hope it did. Yeah, no, she, she's a, a wonderful, strong character. I, we all love her. Oh, thank you. Uh, Amita, we loved everything in this book. We've got romance, we've got thrill, <laughs> we've got, you know, the history, uh, historical moments, but overall, we've got the magic. And there was an interview you did, and it said, magic requires observers to suspend their disbelief, and I wanted that same sort of feeling in my work of fiction. Plus, for the very astute reader, there is a misdirection in the book early on. What was the misdirection? I'm just trying to figure out what that was. Well, it was, I don't know, it's really hard to spot. So if you if you reread um, the prologue, like the beginning, the very beginning, um, and you just, if you read quite carefully, you'll see that he went, you know, Theo, he, uh, I don't know how much I can say. It's just his wording and the way he's speaking about things. I think if you're like a very, very, very sharp observer, you'll kind of realize that, oh, she sort of did potentially spell it out a little bit. Mm. But, you know, Ah. again, I I don't want to reveal anything to anybody who may be listening and hasn't read it. But there's, yeah, and so there's just, there's a bit of, uh, like I said, misdirection in those opening pages. Tanya, you're usually really good at picking up those things over I'm Deb like, and I. Oh no! <laughs> and here I'm saying to myself, "Epic fail on my part." I'm going to go and read that it's not, again. It's not, it's not completely clear, but I, I will have to say it's not. But you'd have to be. The thing is, is you're. This is the thing with magic, right? You're not expecting it. Like you're not mm-hmm. looking for yeah. it, right? And so I think yeah. if you go back and you know, you know, and you're reading it with that critical eye, um, certainly you could you could maybe see it, but. You're just not thinking about that when you pick up a book. So, yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go and reread that. <laughs> hey, I mean, it, it's, it's Tanya here in Edmonton. So, um, you know, when, when, it, when you were creating Lena's family um, and you're explaining sort of the intricacies of, of how she relates to, to Theo and, and all the people on the train, which in a way is her family as well, is there, is there something about her family that you wanted to, something more important about her family that you really wanted to share with your readers? Um, 
not really. I think just the fact that, you know, Lena has a bit of a found family because it is just um, her and her father kind of like at the beginning. And then she sort of has to, you know, she she does feel isolated because of, uh, you know, her situation. And so she kind of has to branch out a little bit and get out of her comfort zone. And it's really just about the fact that, you know, just because you may not be related to somebody by blood or DNA, it doesn't mean that, you know, they can't have that impact on your life or like be part of your family, you know? Absolutely. And I think about Clara, like what, yeah. what an amazing young woman. She, I say oh, she is because I still think she exists, you know, yeah. because she just really, she gave so many inspiring words to Lena and she like, you know, went behind her dad's back because she saw the potential in her right, and she's like, I right. need you to write these entrance ex- exams because I think you can do it. You can do whatever you want to do. And I think there's one quote uh, from Clara about, I'll summarize, sometimes the best things that can happen to you come out of overwhelming uh, adversity or or disappointment or whatever and you know certainly yeah. that happened for Clara because she goes home and she meets Fitz and <laughs> love <Yep>. that <laughs> and she never stopped believing never stopped believing in, in Lena and just gave her so many opportunities to better herself and to become this amazing young woman that we we read her to be thank you mm-hmm. <laughs> I really I just have to say like I just you know this book these all these characters were that was like I was walking with them throughout their journeys Aww. wherever it was which now makes me ask why did you pick World War II as a as the world of when this is the train is going through Europe and, and all of that. Yeah, so uh, like I said, the characters uh, kind of came first to me. And when I say that, I mean just Theo and, and Lena. And then I was really not completely sure where I wanted to set the story, like time period-wise. I, I knew I wanted to write something historical, but really, I mean, I was toying with setting it in you know, 1920s um, America. I I did briefly think about India because um, I am South Asian. I grew up in Canada, but like my parents are from India and then we grew up mostly in London uh, before coming over to Canada. So there were like, really, I think I could have potentially set it anywhere. Obviously it would have resulted in a bit of a different story, but the core themes of like, you know, found family and kind of pursuing your dreams against the odds probably wouldn't have shifted much. But what happened was I was um, I was living in London when I started writing this book, and I have a horrible sense of direction. And so I got lost again one day when I was trying to find the subway <laughs> station. And I was just, just my phone had died. Like I just could not, I didn't know where I was. And um, I walked past a Greek cultural center. So there was a Greek heritage center that I didn't even know existed, but I walked by it and the door was wide open. So I thought, okay, I can just go in there and ask them where this place is because I'm, I'm just really lost. So went in, got directions. And as I was leaving, I saw a poster for a lecture that was happening the following week about um, Greece's involvement in the second world war. And I just, I like history. I mean, I, I read about it for fun. It's kind of like a hobby of mine. And so I thought, well, that sounds interesting. So I went back the next week and I found it really fascinating. I, growing up in Canada, obviously I got the Canadian perspective of, you know, the second world war, also a bit of the British and American perspective, but you know, it was a world war and I didn't feel that um, we really learned about too much outside of those three countries, um, at least not when I was a kid. 
And so I thought, well, this is so interesting. And I, I wanted to learn more anyway, just for my own personal interest. But I thought, what a what a ripe kind of like, you know, time period and, and place to, to set a novel just with the sort of everything going on and the tension that would result as a, you know, as a, that would come as a result mm. of that. So that's, mm, wow. that's where it came from. And the train actually didn't exist for the first, I guess, three and a half or four years that I was working on this book. Um, there was no train. It was not called the circus train. And it's funny now because I think, well, how can it possibly exist without it? But it was, it, the entire yeah. book was set in Greece and, you know, a little bit in Paris, I think, and, and some parts in Canada, too. But I ended up having to change it drastically. <laughs> Wow. You, you know what I thought was really, I just thought of this, actually, like the circus train, which, of course, was sort of the whole part of the book, the story of what was happening. And then then you have the train that Theo and Alexander escaped on when they left the supposed spa town. Mm-hmm. And then you have the train on the platform in London that is at yeah. the end of the book. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know that's a major mode of transportation during that time, but just like it, it the train played some pivotal roles in oh, uh, in and you know throughout the book, right? Yeah, yeah, and you're right. You're right to um, kind of pick on the pick up on the whole. It's, it ended up being a bit of a motif, right, throughout the whole mm-hmm. the whole novel. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And what was so interesting is um, there was so much about medicine and science in this book. So you see kind of that side of your brain and your smarts, but the creativity for the way the carriages were designed and the costumes and the like, you can just envision all of that. So how did that all come to you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I grew up, I mean, like I said, I really like science and math and everything, but I also love the arts and I grew up doing a lot of um you know, dance. I did all different kinds of ballet and jazz and um, modern and contemporary. And then I also figure skated for many, many years. And so um, a lot of that was uh, just the things that I'd sort of picked up from my like life as a performer, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, you know, the leotards. And I, I always loved when it would come time for recitals or competitions or ice skating shows, because I loved getting dressed up and seeing what our costumes were going to be, seeing what the music was going to be, and then how could we interpret it. Um, I just I have a huge kind of respect for what artists can do. Uh, it's storytelling, just in a different form, if you think about it. So um, I, I kind of just drew upon my childhood and, you know, my teenage years um, doing all that stuff. And uh, that's, that's where all that stuff came from. That's so fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was, I was going to say when you were talking about um, how the, the train didn't come into it for a while, it kind of reminded me of like a, a patchwork quilt. So you've got all these different pieces of fabric yes. in front of you. Yep. And then in the mm-hmm. end, it, it, it all comes together. And Simone was talking about this earlier um, when we were chatting about how you were able to, I guess, sew it all together. <laughs> it, it all blended uh, yeah. and it all really came together because some people, you know, look at a, a patchwork quilt and think, how is it that this came to be? Um, yeah. But in the end, you've got something that is really incredible. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's I think on the surface, it doesn't seem like all these bits and pieces would fit together cohesively but I like to think I found a way to stitch them together in a in a way that works 
Yeah, and that's what we were all talking about earlier. It's like there's there's so much magic and illusion in this book, but it's also very heavy when you're going through the really serious things that happened yeah. or experiences. You know, in life, I think that's what it is. We have heaviness around us. You turn on the news, you see what's going on, but then we look for that escape, whether it's a trashy reality show or something else that you pick up to get your mind off of it. And that's okay. It's okay to have things in your life that make you feel good. And I think that was in one of the parts of the book with Alexander and he kind of thought it's okay to want to fall in love or live your life because we all have a life to live. So you sometimes have to not feel so guilty about things going on that you can't control. Yeah, yeah definitely. When we start, you start reading this book and, and you, you find out that you're on this train and it, and it is a circus. Did you uh, yourself want to run away and join the circus? Because w- when you were describing all the characters and the makeup and the costumes, it, it I felt like it was a place that I would love to be in. Um, no, I never really wanted to be in a circus. I think the, the closest I would have come would have been when um, I was kind of, I think I was, I don't know, 17 or so. And I was skating a lot um, while in school and whatnot. And they have these shows on cruise ships, and they also would have Disney on Ice. And so I did actually go to um, a couple auditions for things like that. Um, I thought it would just be fun to do for a couple of months. But then I couldn't – I had to make a decision between, you know, going to university or, or I guess, <laughs> running away to a show. But yeah. um, <laughs> I picked university, mm-hmm. and, you know, definitely partly my parents influenced that decision. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, no, it was – I didn't – I never wanted to, like – be a performer per se. I just loved um, being immersed in that world, even as a spectator, because I think it really just, it removes you from the everyday kind of life. And I think that's why people go to theater and why they listen to music and why they read books, because it just opens your world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And speaking of the circus, I am just... You know, I've never wanted to to be a part of the circus, but I am just amazed at especially what Theo and Alexander do, illusions, because I know it is trickery. Like, I know it is just sort of the where your eyes are, where the focus is. But still, it makes my brain explode because I'm like, how? (laughs) (laughs) Even when, you know, Theo was doing that. That, that first show uh, in Paris after he and Lena are, are united or reunited and he does this spectacular illusion and I'm like, I'm reading going, but how, how did he do it? <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> And Amita, one of the things we talked about earlier is the characters. Um, we loved all the characters so much, even with Horace. Like, he was a villain for that point in time, but he came around in the end. And Tanya had said that the book left her feeling, you know, like just thinking about these characters. So, who would you say was your favorite character in the book? Ooh, such a difficult question. And I feel like it does change depending on the day and the mood I'm in. Um, I mean, I'm always going to have a lot of love for Lena, obviously. Um, I think everybody does. But I also really like Alex a lot um, because I think he's just an example of somebody who, again, didn't necessarily have um, what I what I think is really interesting about Alex is he sort of lost his family, his biological family um, early on in his life, relatively early on. Right. Or in even before that, the situation wasn't necessarily ideal. And so it takes that idea of, you know, he then left and went to find his community elsewhere. 
and you know somebody like Lena maybe losing her mother so early on would have potentially longed for a mother forever but but I think just Alex's um, experience showed that again just because somebody's related to you it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to love you or give you the care and the nurturing that you need um, and so I, I think Alex I love his career arc because I believe that he you know finally managed to kind of like vanquish his own personal demons and like really end up living a life that was also true to himself so yeah but you know i like all of them just like you said um i even have empathy for horace because he's a human and again if if you think about the way he grew up and the things that he kind of observed and whatnot and um his vision and it's kind of you think about a ceo and you know people will you know, attack them and say like, oh, they're just mean and they just like don't don't care and this and that. But it's like, well, actually, they wouldn't be able to build what they did if they thought on the same level that the average person does. So I can at least respect that. I mean, it's not that I would necessarily want to be that person, but I, I do have a lot of respect for what, uh, you know, Horace types can do. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. basically, I like all the characters is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> we do, too. Yeah, and we do, too. <laughs> And what's next for you, Amita, that we can look forward to? Yeah, so I, I was working on another historical fiction book, not set in the same time period, just a little different. But um, I've had to pause it a little bit because I'm just not quite clear on the direction yet. And I, I do this while I'm working full time. I think that's something a lot of um, readers don't realize is that most authors have full time jobs um, because it's not really a hugely lucrative um, arena for us to play in. So, and that's fine. I mean, it is a hobby for me. Um, so because of that, it does take me a bit longer than, than it would otherwise to, to finish writing. But yeah, I hope, uh, I hope the historical one I'm working on now, it's up between Paris and New York. I hope it goes somewhere, but it's, it's still in the early work. So we'll have to wait and see. Have you traveled quite a bit? Because it, I feel like oh, you yeah. know these cities. Yeah. I have. Mm-hmm. I've been very fortunate growing up um, you know, I, we would go to Europe a lot because that's where most of our family lived. Um, so that's also partly why I felt very comfortable writing about being on trains and going around Europe. Because even though I didn't do it at the same time period, like I could easily imagine it in my head just because of what I had done. And, you know, and then I lived in Europe for many years. And so it's it's so simple to just hop on a plane or, you know, get on a train and go somewhere else. And, um, yeah, I've always had a a, a thirst for exploring other countries. So um, hopefully I can do more of that in the future too. Wow. Well, it certainly came through in the book. I felt like I was oh, stepping you. on some of those stones. <laughs> yeah. I thought it might be kind of fun to see if I could find a, like a train company that would want to do the surface train tour across Europe and we would go to the actual locations the train went to, but then I thought <gasps> it's going to be so much echo. But that reaction now makes yeah. me, maybe I should do. <laughs> oh, sign me up, <laughs> so, oh. Simone Deb. Let's do this. I know. Let's yeah. help. Yeah, game <laughs> on. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us to, today, oh, Amita. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. Thank you. You too. Bye. Thank you for kicking back and relaxing with us. We hope you'll join us again on Relaxing Reads.